Welcome everyone to the next video lecture on big data systems. And in this series of videos, we will talk about the big data stack. So let me give you a quick overview of this lecture. Um, so it will be several videos and in the total uh, set of videos, we will talk about the motivation for big data stack. Why do we actually need big data systems and what does the big data stack look like? give a basic overview, talk about the disaggregated architecture uh, that's in there. So in comparison to an integrated system that you would find in many other setups, we'll talk about Google's big data stack, or let's say Google's old big data stack, what they were using a while ago and what they published, and then how this translated into an open source data stack. And finally, we will talk about the system evolution. So where does this actually lead to? And this is more or less something about, um, let's say, trends in, in data processing systems. So you can see a bit how these systems evolve, how there are trends when systems get disaggregated and when they get re-aggregated again. So first, let me give you a an, an motivation for the new architecture. And in general, big data systems do nothing but data processing and data management. And typically, this has been done forever in database systems. So why are database systems actually not suitable anymore? And there's a couple of reasons why that is the case. And the first is that we usually have to deal with raw and unstructured data. So in a big data system, we want to analyze something like, let's say, Twitter feeds, web documents, things like that. And this is text and needs to be processed in a special way. So it's not structured data. And usually uh, a relation schema that you all should know doesn't really suit the problem well. So as soon as you have some kind of nested structures, um, you have graphs, you have streams, this is not where a, a database system is a really a good fit. So this means you need some kind of other interface for a database system. And that wouldn't be the, the real problem in the first place, because um, of course, database systems evolve. So new technologies are integrated and they get new capabilities yeah, very frequently. So say, for example, there's a lot of extensions uh, for database systems for XML and things like that. However, uh, whenever you need cost-effective scalability, then a database system usually is not really the best choice. Because if you want to be cost effective, then you need commodity hardware, something that everybody is using and that you can get cheap. And a database system usually runs on a mainframe or let's say expensive type of hardware that really supports the, the system well. And um, well, you will have to pay for that. At the same time, if you want to scale this uh, adaptively, then a database system won't be good because a database system usually comes with the, uh, the capacity that you need at peak. So meaning you'll buy a system that can yeah, run anything that will be there and it will always be scaled to the maximum requirement. So if you want to incrementally grow or you want to adapt um, the cluster size, depending on what you need, then uh, database system, again, isn't really the best choice. And as soon as you have unreliable infrastructures, 
then the database system typically is too pessimistic about that. So a database system is built so that all data is in the database system forever. So you don't can never lose any kind of data. And uh, this means at the same time, uh, the system always keeps track of everything. And in the case of a failure, it will use a lot of reconfiguration. It will use a lot of uh, procedures to get to a good state again, which will be very costly. And ideally in a big data system, you will actually want to make sure that um, on a regular basis, you, um, you can deal with all of these problems. And this should be transparent to the applications. That will also be the case in a database system. But um, if, if you want to have this uh, at a large scale on many nodes, then the database system typically will, will uh, get to its end. And so this is actually one of the key points also that led to all of this big data system development. Because if you have web scale, so if you are a company like Google or Amazon or Alibaba, then you will have so many uh, nodes and so many, let's say, computers in your system that you will constantly have failures. So if you think about a, a typical uh, failure rate of a single machine, so say a single uh, hard drive typically has a mean time between failures of around 100,000 hours. This means we can expect a disk failure roughly every 10 years. But what happens if we scale to N machines? And N means thousands of machines or tens of thousands of machines. If you think about Google, it's hundreds of thousands of machines. Then um, all of a sudden, this probability increase and it, it shrinks actually exponentially and approaches zero very quickly. And this means, so the reliability. And uh, this means that with an increasing number of machines, the crash probability approaches one very quickly. And so this, we can actually look at numbers that Google published. So there's a person called Jeff Dean and you'll hear about him a couple more times in this lecture. He's one of the chief architects in Google and for all of these systems. And so he published some numbers. So in a typical first year of a cluster at Google, you will see uh, one or yeah, let's say every two years, you see um, some kind of overheating in the, in the system meaning that most systems will go down. Most uh, nodes in the cluster will go down um, in five minutes, in less than five minutes. So meaning you, you see the overheating and you have to turn them down and it will take one or two days to recover. Then uh, you might have a power distribution unit failure once a year, roughly. And this means 500 to 1,000 machines suddenly disappear. And it takes like six hours to get them back online. And this only takes six hours because you have people on site that actually know that this will happen. Then uh, you have rack failures, meaning one rack will break and 40 to 80 machines immediately. And immediately means all of a sudden are gone. And it takes one to six hours to get them back. You have router failures. And this means uh, you have all of a sudden a lot less traffic um, that you can route through the system. And of course, thousands of machines fail um, and uh, thousands of hard drives fail. And this means you know, basically you have hard drive failures all the time. So somebody has to run around exchange hard drives all the time. 
And so this is one of the big problems. So you really need to be able to work with these issues and with, with these failures. And then one of the example use cases, so let's look at the application. So one of the typical example use cases for big data systems would be web indexes. So if you're a search engine like Google or you have a search engine like Microsoft, Alibaba, like everybody needs a search engine no more or less if, you, if they have a lot of data for their system. And the typical scenario is you crawl the internet and store all relevant documents, which means you store all documents essentially. And the documents contain words and the documents contain links. And typically you store this in a way that you have the document URL and then the list of words, which is basically just the text on the website. And of course, then you also have the document URL and you have the target um, URLs. So from one to the next. Now, what we need actually in order to type something into Google and find what we want is something in the opposite direction, which is called an inverted index. So we need from each word, we need to point to different documents. So this is what we need to actually build. And it's a very simple idea or a very simple uh, thing to do, which means we invert the files rather than going from uh, document URLs to the list of words. We go from the words to the list of URLs. And of course, we have to balance somehow. We have to do more than that. But on a very basic level, this is what a search engine does, right? So you have for each web document, you take all the words and you point to the URLs. And then you have to group these words. So for each word, you will find all of the um, doc documents that contain these words. And then you need some kind of smart ranking. And this is then the secret that the, uh, the web engine has and that makes the web engine usable is basically ranking what's more important and what is less important. So say, for example, you find too many pages that contain the word cat. So somehow you have to rank them in a way that the user finds the most relevance most quickly. So that's the second step. But in the first step, it's really just about figuring out which documents actually contain the word cat. And this is this kind of inverted index that we're using. And here, obviously, we cannot use a relational database because the relational database has no real idea about uh, text processing. So uh, this means we can import the documents, but then we have, would have to convert them in some way and we would have to use a lot of storage to somehow store this in the, in the database. Of course, again, modern databases have some extensions that can do this, but it's not core database functionality. And it will be expensive. So, and um, there's actually a mismatch here, what the databases were designed for and what is needed. And the databases are designed for transaction processing. And transactions, if you don't remember, you go to the uh, recap, are basically guaranteed ways of how to execute certain interactions with the user. And on the one hand, it basically means that each user or each um, entity that accesses the database uh, sees it as using it by themselves. And at the same time, we have these guarantees that no side effects happen. So nothing else should happen at the same time. And we're never losing any data. And so there's hard guarantees about the consistency and uh, about any kind of 
concurrent updates. So if we have two people or two threads or whatever working on the same data set, then there's hard guarantees what will be the outcome. And we have some analytics on top of that. However, the web index is completely different. The documents are not updated. It's read only and it's only analytics. So this means we can do this in much more parallelism. We don't need all of these guarantees in order to do the processing. And the database will always keep these guarantees because it says all of these guarantees is basically what the database delivers to the user. And um, the user should not be worried about this. And in the web scale system or the big data system, the user has to essentially well, uh, worry about it and has to know that if they're doing this kind of web text analysis, that then there's no transactional guarantee at all. Well, it's only read only, so nothing will happen, but this is something that the user needs to be aware of. So with this, basically, with these kind of problems, there was, is an ongoing redesign. <clears throat> and this is driven by the large companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Yahoo, Twitter, and of course, nowadays, Alibaba, Tencent, and the like. And these systems or these companies use heavily distributed systems, not only locally, locally but um, of course, also across the globe, essentially. They have many different data centers with insane amounts of servers and somehow the data has to be stored there, has to be managed and has to be processed in these, in these systems. And in 2006 alone, Google used 450,000 low cost commodity servers <coughs> in clusters of um, 10 to 5,000 nodes each. And today it's much more even. And so, in order to use this properly, they need to redesign the infrastructure and architectures completely um, in comparison to traditional database systems to, be, to have them highly scalable, to have them tolerant for failures, at the same time have them generic and schema-free in the data model. So they can use text, they can use graph data or anything else um, without being tied to the relational model necessarily. And so, they started with the data storage and in the next step then would uh, do distributed analysis. And so with this, essentially the big data stack was born. So it's an, an architecture for working with big data systems and how it exactly looks and what's the insight and on the different steps that we'll talk in the next video. <laughs>